He sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward-Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the Word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Praise the Lord and welcome to the question and answer segment of this program. I realize during my conferences and even after that we all come and we have questions, we have dilemmas, and we have issues. Everybody has issues, no matter who you are. The woman with the issue of blood was not the only woman with issues. Hers was an issue of blood, but we have issues in all our lives. And I am no wise sage or any super woman, but I know by experience, for the Bible says, I have learned by experience, you know. So I know ex by experience that the Bible has the answer, that the Bible is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path in a very dark and dreary world. And it is the counsel of God that by his grace I seek to bring to the people of God. I have no wisdom of my own, but only the wisdom that comes from above and the wisdom that comes from the word of God. Therefore, let us just relax, trust in the Holy Spirit to bring us answers, trust in the Holy Spirit to be a wonderful counselor in this segment, and trust God to bring us answers. Beloved, I am not the answer. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him there's no other. Cause Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way. Be blessed as you listen. Sending us questions. Um, since we started sending the program out, that we're going to have this program, and we've gotten so many questions from around the world. So we're going to be. Um, answering some of these questions, um, Rochelle and, um, and Senan will be helping us with some of the ideas. 
there's one question that I want to start off with, and it says, uh, where's this thing? Yes. Hello, E.S. Adley. I'm in a very beautiful relationship, and I'm very happy. <laughs> but I have just one single problem. My beloved just doesn't move. He doesn't take any initiative to do or implement anything. He is very reluctant about very important things. And I'm afraid for my life because I feel, I feel when we marry, I will be the only one implementing everything. What should I do? So this is one lady's worry. E.S. Adlid, what do you think? I would say that flesh and blood has not revealed your future to you. In essence, I'm saying flesh and blood has revealed what will happen. You are in a very beautiful relationship because your beloved is probably very peaceful, doesn't ruffle feathers, and where you put him is where you come and find him. But that same temperament, the flip side is what you are saying. Nothing gets done, nothing moves, and everything stands still. And that is why God is introducing you into his life. <laughs> so that you will come and bear the burden. So what you have to ask yourself is, can I live with this times thousand? And if you leave him and go for somebody else, sometimes you will just have changed problems. But you are not going to have a problem-free life. And now that you are not married, maybe this is the time to work on the weaknesses, to bring it out and to bear his burden and help him. But even though he's going to change, it may not be like the yeast you put in bread, the next day it has risen. It's not like that. It may be something you are going to have to live with and live by for a long time. And you've seen it. So don't think that it's going to change and become choleric overnight. It's not going to happen. So ask yourself, am I prepared to live with this and help for us to have our lives together? Or I can't stand it. Then leave the poor person alone so that somebody else can find him. Now you may want to go for another person who may be the opposite of this person. It is likely that you are also choleric, and you are going to pick another choleric, and there are going to be two heads in the ship. I don't think that it means your marriage will not work. It still means more grace and more of the Holy Spirit. But whatever you see in your relationship, multiply it by a thousand, not only temperaments, and ask yourself, whether you can live with it. Because when you are outside the marriage, you are not, you, have, you haven't given any vows. So if you tell us that you are going out, you are not bound. But when you are married, the Bible says, are thou bound, seek not to be loosed. So those of you who think marriage is liberty, it's actually a being bound. <laughs> so am I prepared to be bound to this? You know, and am I prepared to work through whatever is going to come with? But many times we have the delusion that what we see will change when we marry 
or it will get better with time like wine. No, it will get worse with time because as the days go by, we all become ourselves and we all become what we are in the marriage. So as young people, I also think, not only think, I I believe you must pray about your relationships and you must pray about the will of God. I believe that uh, uh, Sarah was in Abraham's life for a reason because God said she was a covenant person and it wasn't about Hagar's child, it was about Sarah's child. But she has married this man that when you come into danger, he leaves you to go and face Abimelech yourself. But God stepped in, you know, so mm, that's what I would say. What you see is real. Assess it. Thank you so much. We have a question from Egypt. Yes. Hi, Auntie Mami. I hope you are well. My question for you is, does God have someone predestined for us in holy matrimony? Or can we channel in our dream person by, she gives some very interesting options, by prayer, petition, and using common sense? I think you have your answers already. Prayer, petition, and common sense. God does not have one person in this world that he has designed that one person for you. I think that God makes you meet different people. And God is also interested in what you like. Why do I say that? Because when Paul is saying, um, if you've reached the flower of your age, you should marry, he says that only let them marry whom they will, whom they will. When Rebecca was chosen by Abraham's servant to go and marry Isaac, whom she had never met, they took her home, and the parents asked her, are you willing to go with this man? And she said, yes. So it wasn't a forced thing. So yes, prayer because God orchestrates our steps. You know, the Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord, and he delights in his way. I believe that God has ordered my steps in many chapters of my life, even going to Lagon, because initially, my father made me apply for schools in the UK, and in our time, the results you had for A-level was the same results you used to go to the UK. You didn't do foundation and all these things that have come. And so I got the school, Queen Mary, very good, to study law. And then I did go at a point, but I wasn't happy. It's a long story, but I came back. But before I even came to first year, my father made me fill that form. And I had been praying for God's will. And somehow God brought me to Lagon. And that is where I met my husband. And when I look at it, when I look back, and by the way, it wasn't love at first sight because I was a Christian, but I wasn't hot like that. And I wasn't the confrontational type. So when I met him, every time, I met him through a mutual friend, but he was not anything to me. And I also didn't think he would be my future husband. But what I didn't like about him was that whenever I met her, I said hello. Then he would be speaking in tongue. Hey, brother, I said, hey. 
small hello to it has become turn talky. I mean why and that whenever he walked into Volta Hall which was the only girls hall then from the porter's lodge you will already be speaking in tongues then when I say there he comes and then a friend of mine or my friend so when I see him they say sister lady how are you I say, oh I'm fine how are you too brother dad Oh, I'm washed in the blood. I'm bought by the Lamb. My destiny is sealed. I'm going to heaven. I'm like, hey. I mean, these type of things, you know? But <laughs> it was also because before I came to first year, I was making plans of how to. It's not how to backslide, but how not to be too much. Do you see? I'm sure some of you can relate to that. So, I told a friend of mine from Wesley Girls that when we get on campus, me, I'm going to convert an unbeliever and marry that unbeliever because the prefer people, their jokes are not funny to me. Their things are... But God had a purpose. You know, and then the universities were closed down. And my dad said, if that's the case, then go to England and do the school. So I went. And that, by that time, my husband was my friend, but not my beloved. He was my shepherd, our president. And then he was, those days, no, um, what's up with this? So you have to post the letter, and it will get there after a week or two. You see, but we wrote to each other. And then he said to me that you are God's garden you cannot just go into any climate. What is God's will for you? You can wither if you're as a. <laughs> and I myself, I wasn't happy in being in England because every Christian who went backslid, there were no churches also except Victory, which was far away. So after 10 days, I was back. My sister stayed because she was doing postgraduate, but I was back and then I continued Legon again. So I believe that when I look, I said, God was directing all my steps. So God directs your steps. And then at the end of the day, you have to say, I do. Because we will all be happy on your wedding day with you. But after, it depends. You are the one going to sit by the fire, not us. You know, so you also have to be willing and it has to be something that you agree to. You know, so yeah, Egypt, I think. Prayer, petition, and common sense. You've got it. <laughs> wow. I, I've, I'm just, I, every time you speak, Antoine, I'm always just, uh, like, honestly, because it's very real. It's very real that somebody will come and they'll approach you and it's sort of like you're not so sure, but I, I really felt so blessed that by giving it time, and giving it patience and giving prayer to it. You... And also, my husband took one year to pray. Yeah, he told me, we are getting close, we are friends, I like you, but I want to know what God is saying. And if God says no, it's no. But you see, when he says it, it's as if I was waiting and not praying for him to go and pray and come. <laughs> Beloved, it wasn't like that. I was also praying for God's will. <laughs> so, I knew the answer. But, 
I believe that is when a man has found a good thing, not the good thing has found the man. So I knew and was convinced that this was God's will for me. But he had also gone abroad and was now going to tell me what God's will was, you know, what God had told him. So, well, long story short, eventually we met in his house. Hey, you like Tuli? And then, my husband is very romantic, so he went to put on a song, Andre Crouch. And the song said, the question is, will I ever leave you? The answer is no, 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 no. So some of you must take some tips from this, okay? And then he told me that he had prayed and this was God's will and so what do you say? And then I said then that my parents said I should not marry a girl. So that was cold water. And he was so shocked. He said, am I a girl? I said, they say you are. And then he said, why? And I said, because my mother says that all boxes are guns. And if I marry one, he's going to beat me up all the time. And then my husband said, okay, that's your parents. But what do you say? So then we took it to another level. But it was by prayer. It was by petition. It was also by common sense, whether... We can live together. At that time, we didn't know about ministry the way it is now. So what he said was that he always would say in our conversations, I want to be like Jesus. I see myself sitting on top of a mountain. And as I preach, people will come and they will listen. And their lives will be changed. But he never really said he was going to be in the ministry because we didn't know what ministry was. But you people now, you have how to start a church, church, good, mega church. You have a lot of information and education. That was his desire. So it's one thing that led to another. And by God's grace, 32 years by grace, we are here. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Mother. Um, There's a question from Citywide Church from Malawi. And they are saying that, why is a godly marriage important? That's the question. Why is a godly marriage important? What comes to mind for me is the parable of Jesus that a wise man built his house on a rock. And the foolish man built his house on the sand. Now, if you were driving by, both houses would look the same. But what revealed What each house was made out of was the storms and the vehement wind the Bible describes and the floods that came down. So you build your lives on the rock which is Christ so that when the inevitable vehement winds come and when the adversarial winds blow, you will be standing not because you didn't have a storm, but because that rock is Jesus and you have built your rock on him. Secondly, if you don't base your life on similar values, you are going to say, I grew up in a fancy home. This is how I learned it. 
I grew up in a Ghana home. This is how I learned it. I grew up in um, a Krishna home. This is how I learned it. But when it's a godly home, you learn your values from the Bible. And you learn about love from the Bible. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not arrogant or boastful or rude. Love does not seek its own way. Then both of you are fashioning your mind in the same way. So a godly marriage and a godly home leads to stability and leads to more peace. But many Christians, although they are Christians, do not build godly homes and do not use godly principles. So the materials you use determines the quality of what you have. Beloved, the man who had built on sand, he had the same storm. The man who had built on, rock, on rocks, he had the same storm. The difference was the foundation. Build your lives on the rock. And after the storm, you will still be standing by his mercies. Okay. From Egypt and Malawi, we have a question from Ghana. you are biased with Egypt. <laughs> we are back in Ghana now. At what time in your relationship do you check your sickling status? Is it when you are deeply in love or before you fall deeply in love? I think before you fall in love. Because if you know your sickling status already and you meet somebody and the person also knows, it will help know where you are going. Yeah, if you become close before you say I do, the sickling status will be important so that you know what you are doing because that challenge of SS or whatever can actually kill the love in the marriage because you don't have time for each other. Every day you are in the hospital, the files are like the strain, the strain and the stress. Sometimes people haven't known and they have married. That one, the grace of God also will help you. And even last week, I saw on BBC that there's been a breakthrough in that area. And now there's something they are doing so that uh, you don't go. At first it was bone marrow, but now it's gone higher. There's something I didn't read. Or I read, but I didn't keep all the facts because I'm an art student. And uh, with no apologies. So I think that you should know, and then you go forward with that. Thank you so much, Auntie Mami. I have a question here, um, which I think is on behalf of the single ladies. Oh, oh. My question is, how do I stay calm and not get ahead of myself when a boy I'm attracted to starts to talk to me and I am aware he may like me? Sometimes I get... You are aware? She's aware that he may like her. That's what he she may. said. Uh, he may like her. <laughs> Sometimes I get really anxious and excited in my head and even start planning romantic things. All this usually ends nowhere and it is hard for me to get over such things. I would really like to know how to be relaxed and not overthink so much. Good question. And I'm sure it relates to a lot of people here. The Bible says that he that believeth shall not make haste. 
he that believeth shall not make haste. So, but it doesn't also mean you should be sluggish. <laughs> but what I would say is, don't hear till you hear. Because you think he's being nice to you. He's being nice to 60 sisters. You think he's taking you to Marina Mall for that uh, fresh coconut and whatever juice. He has taken Cynthia the week before and Evangeline two weeks later. And he says that they are all friends. You know, so sometimes you hear wedding bells when you shouldn't. And patience is a fruit of the spirit. Love, uh, 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 love joy, peace, patience. You know, and said that be patient for the husband man. The husband man must be patient for the harvest. You know, so be patient and let him come to that place too. Even though you like him, love must be mutual. Not that you like him and that he doesn't like you, or you like him 95% and he likes you 5%. You are worth more than that. Amen, sisters. And then also, sometimes your pastor can use pastoral care to find out what he's thinking. And therefore, use that to encourage you. But what if it doesn't end there? As you are saying, it's always happening. You're always getting heartbroken. So don't get giddy. And don't get overexcited. Because if it doesn't end there, then it means that your thoughts are not his thoughts. And his thoughts are not your thoughts. You know, and you set yourself up for heartache, heartbreak, and all that. So just be nice to everybody. Be friendly. Let brotherly love continue. And then it will grow. Love grows. Relationships grow. So give it space and give it time. Amen. Thank you, Auntie Mama. Not only do we have questions from relationships, we have some from marriage. This one says, I have been in an abusive marriage for 16 years, both physical and emotional. I stayed because of my work with God and my kids. I left the house last year because of death threats, and he still asked me to fix the marriage if I wanted it. Went back a day to try and fix it, but little did I know there was a woman in the house, and he raised a gun on me, saying he would kill me if I moved into the house. A gun. A gun. It almost, it's been almost a year since we separated, but he's living with the other woman. What should I do now? Ah, isn't it obvious what you should do? Run, baby, run. Number one, the Bible says that on the grounds of infidelity, you are allowed to divorce. He's actually living with another woman. So there's no space for you there, and you have not sinned against God. Number two, he abused you physically, emotionally, and threatened your life. Do you want to die and leave your children for who to look after? Number three, you have already gone from what you said. Oh, she's already left the house. Do not cry over spilt milk, although it is difficult. He came to heal the brokenhearted. He says that he will give you beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. God is still in the business of restoration. 
When one chapter closes, he opens another door. It's time to rebuild your walk with him. He knows what you did in obedience to him. But as at now, what you are describing, it's like it's over. So may the Lord give you grace to move on. Forgetting what lies behind, press on to what lies ahead. For I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for you. Walk with him. Give him the ashes. He has promised to give you beauty. He will restore every good thing that has been lost in his own supernatural way. Join a Bible-believing church. I don't know, maybe you are in one already. And let the word of God heal you. Psalm 107 verse 20. He sent forth his word to heal and to deliver us from all our distractions. It may be gradual, but God heals. I've seen so many. God is about to write a new chapter. Hang in there. Amen. Uh, He's not staying with her. Call the police if you need to. (laughs) Yeah, use the law. Very, very important. Very important. Thank you so much, Auntie Mummies. You should also apply wisdom in the midst of such a problem. So thank you. On the the same track of marriage, we have another marriage-related question. Somebody is asking, please, I find it hard to comprehend the changes in men after marriage. They completely change that you think they were under a spell when beloved dozing you. (laughs) Please help me explain. Help him, ex- help her explain. Please, so I think please explain to her why this change happens in men after marriage. It's only men. <laughs> I think it's both ways. And I think what happens, like I said initially, is that you become yourself. You know, you become yourself. And I think that a lot of sisters find it difficult because when they are romancing you, You don't think that it will change. You think that it will be the same forever. But marriage goes through seasons. And like we say in our marriage council, marriage is a garden. You tend it. You remove weeds. You put manure. You put fertilizer. It's hard work. Those of you who think that marriage is a completed building that you just move into. Because we say in our local parlance that Erukwawar, so it's like our has been built already and you're just moving. No. You are now gathering your raw materials to build the type of relationship you want. So it will go through different seasons, okay? Even life goes through different seasons. But you must keep tending. You must keep removing the weeds. You must keep adding the manure. You must keep watering so that you can have a beautiful garden. Marriage is very, very hard work. That is why the Bible talks about, uh, in Hebrews 6.10, that God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. Marriage makes you a laborer. You will be carrying cement bags and things. So, have that mind that it is labor. If you've had a baby before, labor is not easy. Marriage is labor. Why? Because we are two fallen beings in a fallen world with fallen environment and circumstances. It is God who helps us step by step. So I think that 
Um, instead of seeing also that it's men who change, it's easier to look at ourselves. I always say that because we can change ourselves more easily than we can change somebody. And then also have a discussion and say, we used to go out to eat. Why is it that now when I say, you say that it can buy 10 tins of sardine and kinky. <laughs> so we don't have to go out, you know. Um, constructive things to spice up the marriage. Because in everything, everything grows old. Everything grows weaker. Everything grows older. But you have to spice it up. If you're a woman, you've had a baby. It doesn't mean it's the end of looking nice. It doesn't mean it's the end of going to the hairdresser. Every time your husband comes, he doesn't know whether you are Bob Marley. You have also changed, you know. So if you looked attractive to get him, stay attractive to keep him. It is also important. Okay, and then let's work on our relationships with the help of God and also with good counsel. Let us make war. Amen. I know the brothers won't be so excited about this one, but anyway, <laughs> Auntie Mommy, I have been married for six years with three children, and my husband still doesn't see the, the importance of, the unimportance of playing his PlayStation with the children around, and the no help, the unimportance of playing his PlayStation uh. with the children around, and no help. He plays it sometimes till 2 a.m., do I keep voicing my opinion or just hide his control part? You should hide it. <laughs> but does he have a pastor? Does he have somebody who can speak into his life? Because in every match, you need a referee. In every match, you need a referee who will whistle. Stop the game now. Play on. Extra time. Injury time. That referee is the word of God. And that referee is the pastor also God gives you. You know, I always say every Christian must have a nevertheless. Jesus said, if it be possible, let this cup pass. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. That helps us to do God's will. Do you see? So if you've talked down, it's not working. Try a higher power. You've gone to district court. It's not working. Go to high court. From high court, court of appeal. From court of appeal, supreme court. And see what will happen. And then also, have you told him your concerns? You know, because it almost sounds like an addiction, which I think will also affect his work with God. You know, so he needs help. So seek help in the church you are in and in the pastor you have. I think that will help. Thank you very much, Auntie Mami. You've been such a wonderful um, um, crowd. Uh, I think it would not be very nice not to find out if there are any people here who've got questions. Uh, maybe for one reason or the other, you couldn't send it electronically. We can take a few from here. SNM has a question. SNM, can anybody help me with a microphone to SNM? If you can just help me with a microphone. SNM has a question. BM, don't you have any questions on social media? Is anybody looking? I said I'll be helping with the mic, so if you've got any questions, just give us a wave and we will get the microphone to you.
question. Are you ready? Did this Nam say she had a question? Yes. <laughs> Hello, Auntie Mami. Hello. Um, so, um, I want to know what you should do to be found. I can't hear you. I want to know what you should do to be found. What you should do? To be found. Ah, to be found. It's a whole sermon. <laughs> I have a message on how to be found. But, um, well, go to places where you meet people. A church is a good example. You know? Yes, come to church because you love God. But if after every service you just check out, how will you meet anybody? Nobody will get to know you. You will not form any relationships. You know, Rebecca went to the well where people were meeting. Where, and the, the servant who was looking for a wife went to where women go and fetch water so that he will meet a lot of people. And he said, let the person who, when I ask, give me water, she gives me, and she also gives the animals. Let that person be the one that you have chosen for me. What was he looking for? He was looking for a woman who has compassion and care and is not self-centered, you know, and he found her in the midst of other women. So join activities that make you form relationships. I don't always believe in I'm joining this so that I will find because I think that you should marry your friend. Do you understand? Because after all the love and every day you come home and you have to talk to a friend. Now, what are you going to talk about? Some people are very quiet. You can't discuss anything with them. You too, you are very broad-minded. You want to talk about, okay, so what do you think about the COVID vaccine? And what do you think about what Biden said? And you don't know Biden. You say, Biden, say, do you need Then now, is this a type of food? It becomes a problem, you know. So you will learn through, before you get married, how to build your friendship. So you are friends already before you become a spouse. So the cardinal thing is, Go where people go. Number two, be approachable. Some women are like, no entry. I'm blocked. You may not intend to, but you, you give a signal that I'm the hoity-toity type. I don't mix with all types of people. I'm a certain way. When you come to church, your face is very straight. Even praise and worship, every day they have to say, shall we lift your hand? Every day down, up. And then when they finish, you don't join any ministry, you, you don't form any relationships, you are going, you don't want to know anybody. How are you going to be found? How are you going to be found? You have to be approachable. You know, Rebecca, in those days, servants wore servants' garbs. So she knew that this was a servant, but the servant could approach her because she was approachable. And a servant could ask her, give me water. Some of you would say, do you know my pedigree? <laughs> I should give you water. Water. Define water. Should I give you? Do you know my status? <laughs> do you know who I am? But it wasn't the servant who was interested in her. The servant was just an instrument. Many people come into your lives who are instruments that God uses so that you will be found. Just be a Christian. 
Be a child of God and you'll be okay. You see, I hear my husband preach often that um, when he would come to my room in Legon, no matter how small my food was, I would share with him. But I shared with everybody. I shared with Bishop Saki. I shared with Bishop Adi. I shared. Why? I thank God it was because I was raised that way. You see, not all of us are raised that way. But all of us can learn. That's why we come to church. So, that, so be hospitable. It says the wife of a deacon, one of the things, she must be hospitable. Because ministry brings many people around you and through you. And so if you are somewhere, you don't want anybody to come near you. You don't want anybody. To, it's going to be very difficult. And your finding will also be difficult. So there are so many things. And also 25 reasons why some women may not get married. That topic was given to me by my husband, but I preached it in. So get those messages and how to be marriageable. I think it will help you. Thank you so much, Auntie Mami. I have a question. I am a Christian brother, and my wife is a quintessential Christian sister. How do I communicate to her that I'm not sexually satisfied? Uh, tell her. <laughs> you must learn to be open. And you must be able to talk even about the bedroom. Yeah, maybe you feel your wife is uh, Mother Teresa. So you are afraid to touch her. <laughs> but the Bible says the man and the woman, they were naked. And nakedness is not just physical. Nakedness is being open about everything. Finances, your sex life, whatever. And yes, sometimes when you have been the quintessential SU sister, in your mind, everything sexual is sinful. So you have kept yourself so much from fornication that to flow is not easy. But in first love, you are very well catered for so that you can renew your mind uh, 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 effectively, which I think is very good. But marriage is an adventure, including the bedroom. That's why the Bible says, draw me after you and let us run together. So you grow together. So she's like that, but it doesn't mean she can't change. And she doesn't know what makes you happy. So you should be able to talk about that. If you can't talk about that, come and see Reverend Kweside. Come and see LP sister. They are all, all your pastors and your bishops. They are very open, huh? Pastor Paul, any more questions? Paul, uh, I've got a, ah, I've got one from a wonderful congregation. We have a question out back. Um, I don't know if you can help me with the microphone there, this way. On the left. Ah, oh, is that, okay, one there and then one here, right straight in front of me. Yes. Oh, can't hear you. We can't hear you at all. The mic working. You've shared a lot of wisdom with us, and I'm very grateful. My question is, once people know you have a beloved, there are lots of opinions and rumors, especially if the there person... A lot of... Rumors and opinions. Opinions, okay. Yes, especially if it's from the person's past. How do I you... I don't understand that bit. The past. Like, oh, the person used to be like this. Yes. Okay. So how do you deal with certain opinions 
if it can influence your perceptions and decisions with your beloved. Opinions are different from counsel, so I do not know if there's a dividing line there. Is it just an opinion or it's a counsel in the form of an opinion? Do you understand? Sometimes a counsel that, oh, sister, you are so in love, but this aspect is also there. But at the end of the day, what you decide, we will flow with it and we will marry you and we will wish you well because we are not uh, God, you know. But sometimes, maybe, I don't know whether the opinion is just trite gossip, just uh, remarks from your friends, I don't know. But you are in love now, and it says love is blind, but the neighbors are not blind. So it's the neighbors who are advising you because they can see, you know. So sometimes it's out of love and concern. The person may share an opinion. Sometimes it's just gossip. In that case, ignore it. But if it's something tangible that is um, wise or is it's a gem, it's, it's useful, then you may have to consider it. But if you are just different, different people's opinions, he's good, he's not good, he's this, he's this, and your friends, and they talk a lot. Sometimes your friend's opinion is very foolish. You see, I have had foolish opinions before. I had this amazing friend. She's still my friend. And she was one of my bridesmaids. I say one of them, well, one of my, she was my, one of my maids of honor because I married many times the same man. That one is for another day. And um, she used to have people interested in her when we were in Lagon. And she would come and tell us, and I was the kimping, she would tell us. And she would say, hey, look at the letter he's written. And she would show us the letter. We, uh, I'm inviting you to a moonlight walk, and we'll laugh. And we'll sit on the floor, and we'll say, moonlight walk. Oh, no, 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 this one, he doesn't pass at all. What is moonlight walk? He's psycho, he's this. And then another time, we went on holiday, and... I went to visit her. When I went to visit her, another prospective brother had come. Hey, he got there. My friend's mother was gardening. Quickly did he remove his shirt. He asked for a cutlass. Hey, started to weed. We said, oh, it's finished. Why? Are you Jacob? Laboring for labor. You are, you are, you are finished. We canceled him. It went on and on. I think now, and my husband says so. And sometimes we just dis- this, dismiss the person because of his trousers. We say, oh, his trousers. Look at his trousers. Even when he wears, he doesn't even descend. Oh, no. He's somewhere. Do you know what happened? Years went by and my friend almost did not get married. Why? Because of our foolish opinions. Trousers. Even if he takes cutlass and he weeds, he's not a hardworking brother. But we thought that he is disqualified because our minds were small. You know, so if that is opinion, then you don't need that type of opinion. It can lead you to a wrong place. I remember a sister telling me, oh, but why this brother liked you? Why, why did you say yes to uh, 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 brother dad? Why, why? Then later, I was in a church in Kolebu. We're not married. My husband was preaching. And he said that she was talking about spirit, soul, and body. And he said that. You see, sometimes your body wants to do something, but you know that it's not right. 
you see, me, uh, some time ago, I went to visit her sister. And then when she was seeing me off, she said, please hold me. My husband said, you see, your body would like to hold, but I resist. And it was this sister. So I said, ah. I mean, after the service, I asked which sister is that. He told me, I said, ah. So the person discouraging me actually liked my beloved. You see, so you have to be careful about some of these so-called advice, opinion. Where is it coming from? What type of person is talking and what is the person saying? Is it scriptural? Is it based on the word? Let that inform you. And I believe God will lead you. There was somebody on this side. There was a question. Yes, there. Good evening, Aunt Mami. Thank you very much for the opportunity. So, I'm in a relationship, and my beloved doesn't call me. I'm always the one calling him. I'll be calling. <laughs> and I've told him several times that he should be calling me, but still, nothing happens. And he's, I've done that. He's what? I've done that. Uh, yeah, so I don't know what to do now. I don't know if I should accept. Have you asked him why? What yes, his problem is? I is have. it that he doesn't have money to buy units or credit? What's his reason? Um, please, he told me that he usually doesn't like calls. Yes. Oh, but he has to check. At this stage, he's doing this. Oh, no, no, no. And your pastor has spoken to him? Yes, please. Then it's not going to change you. So if you can bear that burden, fine. But he must give a reason. Is it that he gets too busy? Is it that his days are whatever? But you call him. Yes, please. And I when you call him, him, does he respond? Yes, please, he does. Ah, then there must be a reason. Tell him to come and see me. <laughs> Mommy, would you suggest to a lady to get married after? Or while pursuing 10 plus years worth of tertiary education. Would you suggest to a lady to get married after? Or while pursuing 10 plus years worth of tertiary education? 10 plus. (laughs) I think that there's a time for love. Songs of Solomon says, don't stir up love before it's season." And also, stir up love in its season. That's what it means. So I think that 10 years, dear, is too much. Who can wait for 10 years? Even Jacob, he worked for, is it 14 years? But they gave him his wife before he worked. Do you see? So you must, and as Christians, we don't live in sin. So it's better to marry than to burn. So you are keeping this brother 10 years, you will break up even. Because when it's too long, it's not the best. So I think that um, maybe she can marry while she's pursuing part of the education. But what you guys also do is you tell the woman to stop after you marry her. So you really have to sit down and discuss what you want out of the relationship. And I think that most parents will agree to the, 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 the daughter marrying if she's pursuing 10 years of tertiary education. Because that 
would include masters, PhD. I mean, if she wants to marry, she will have to settle down and then juggle the two with you and with some understanding. So it's not practical. It's very, very, very important. It's not practical. And I think last week we actually had um, a special episode of our show bring it to the table in honor of your coming and one of the questions that came from south africa mummy was how can one not make their relationship an idol how can you not make your relationship an idol okay so we'll, we'll take that question how do you not make your relationship an idol and then we will take the question down there I saw a hand down there. Yes, I can see the hand. Two hands, actually. We'll take your two questions as well, and then Mommy will ask, answer all of them um, together. So I don't know if somebody can just get the microphone down here. Yes. There are two hands over here. So whilst we get there, I'll answer Rochelle's question. God says that in Exodus 20, that I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of bondage, out of the land of Pharaoh, you shall have no other gods beside me. And then I think in James, he said, Beloved brethren, beware of idols. So even if you are a Christian, you can have an idol. And I think you have a song where it says, I've not had my quiet time, but I want to talk to my beloved, isn't it? So it is a decision. You know, this generation thinks things just happen, but it's choices and it's decisions. So you decide to seek God first, according to Matthew 6, verse 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. So you go after it first. And then everything else, including a nice beloved, shall be added unto you. So in order not to have an idol, you seek God first. That is, you put him first. You make a timetable of your life and you say, in everything, God is going to be first. And when you do that, you break the jinx of making a human being your idol. Because when you make a human being your idol, you have set up yourself for disappointment. Not because the person is not good, but because the person is human. The Bible says, cursed is he who puts his trust in man. For instance, you are married, let's say, to an evangelist. And you've stayed with him all these years. He's your everything. If he's not at home, you can't function. He has become your idol. So when he goes to preach, your life is on ice till he comes back. Why should it be? You must have a life in Christ and a life of your own. And you must have a fulfillment in Christ so that you come together as two whole beings not my better half you are not halves you are two wholes that come together and make one whole amen so seek God build on your relationship with God build on your relationship with others so that you have a life outside just the marriage and it will make you healthier I have friends that I hang out with I have friends I go and sit somewhere to have a meal with. I have friends that I can say, oh, I'm coming over, you come over, let's do this, let's do that. So if you don't have that, and every day you are waiting for this one human being, it's not healthy. So get a life. 
in Jesus' name. Amen. Get a life. Please do two hands this in this direction of my hand. Yes. Brilliant. Please, I have two questions. Can I ask all? Ask both questions. <laughs> okay, so my first question is, hey, sorry, I want to know, as a minister's wife, how have you been able to cope with the changing seasons in the ministry and in your husband's life? And should I ask the second yes, question? Second okay, and the second question. So, I have this friend who... That's real <laughs> <laughs> okay. Tell us about this friend. The friend is not me, honestly. <laughs> He's so, what? The friend is not her. Ah, okay. <laughs> yes, yeah, so. And she's being honest. <laughs> so I have this friend, and the friend likes this brother, and the feeling is actually mutual. <laughs> the, the, the liking is mutual? Yes. But here lies the case where the friend is not interested in a relationship. But yet, the friend is not... I can't hear that part. The friend is not interested in entering into a relationship now. With the brother? Yes, please. And the brother is also not spiritual. Here lies the case, she's spiritual. So, she wants to get rid of the feelings. So, how? Feelings come and go. So feelings are important, but you can't build all your anchor on feelings. When David went out to battle and they came back and their villages had been burnt, their wives and children had been taken, the Bible says that all David's men, not some, they thought of stoning him. Why did they want to stone him? Because his wives and children had also been taken. But it's just emotion and it's just feelings. And then what did David do? The Bible says David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And then he asked God, should I pursue them? Should I overtake? Will I? And God said, pursue, overtake, and recover all. So he rallied the men around and he did that. Now these men were going by their feelings. If they had followed their feelings of stoning David, they would never have pursued. They would never have recovered all. So feelings are not things that the Bible doesn't say in Romans 8 verse 16 or Romans 8 that um, as many as are led by their feelings, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the children of God. So feelings can deceive you. Feelings come and go. That boy you liked in class two. Now when you see him, Christ, his head is even like a tin cutter. You are not interested. So feelings are good, but they cannot be our everything. So if it's just feelings, but she doesn't like him, then she should bin it and trust God. But it could also be a good person that she's binning. So the Bible says in a multitude of counsel, there's safety. So it's good to ask good counsel, you know. And I think that when I met my husband, I said I didn't like him, I told you. But I had a very supportive roommate in Lady Pastor Adele. And she would tell me, don't you see how he looks at you? He likes you. Don't you? And then whenever my husband came, she would say very nice things to him. Oh, you are the... So my husband gave her a nickname admiral because she was always admiring him you know and 
she was advanced in the relationship. So she has read many books. Every book she makes notes. Me, I don't have. And the first thing she told me is that love is work. I said, really? Then I don't, I'm not interested. Work, but, but. So when you have a cheerleader like that and somebody who believes in what is happening and also shows you that it's a good thing and you are flowing, it will work, it helps you. So have good friends who speak sensibly. It will help you. And then you said, how have I weathered the changing scenes of life? Many times I answer that it's the grace of God. And people don't believe, oh, what grace? Some people tell me, this grace, yeah, that we are all enjoying. But what it is, is many times I'm in my closet and I tell God the things that are difficult, the things that are painful, the things that crush me, the things that make me cry, the things that... And he said that no temptation has overtaken you. First Corinthians 10, 13. That is not common to man. God is faithful. And with every temptation, he will provide a way of escape. Now, it's for you to see the way of escape in that temptation. So one of my favorite prayers is, show me the way of escape in this seemingly impossible situation. So I always say that I believe that I've been on more mission fields than many people, although I'm in the same geographical area, because a lot has happened and a lot changes. But what is constant is Jesus. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And my strength has been in him. If you tell me or ask me what's the secret, the secret lies in your closet. The secret lies in your knees. The secret lies in your spending time and knowing God for yourself. Not that your husband's God, but your God. We say the God of Abraham, the God of Jacob, the God of... I, what about you? You should be able to say the God of Auntie Mami. You should have a personal God that you also cry to. That is your hiding place. And that is what will give you strength. Supernatural. Honestly. It's so supernatural. And sometimes, you know, the Bible says you hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. I have literally experienced that. You know, I, I just know, I mean, you just receive a word. Do this. Say this. It's very cool. And it's very often undramatic. But it's very real. So God is real. Make him your best friend, not your husband, not your wife. And then everything else will fall in place. Have I answered your question? Have I answered your question? Is she there? Yes, please. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. I've got one more hand here. Uh, we'll take the there question. Two from... here. Two here. Okay, so one more there. And then the I can see one at the back there, yes, in a white shirt. We're going to take those two and then we'll see. We're getting close to the end. I've seen your hand here now, but we'll see. <laughs> okay, so. Yes, please. Yeah. Okay, thank you so much, Auntie Mami. So, I have two questions, a very quick one. I want to know if I can ask them. I have two questions. Go for it, quickly. quickly. Okay, sure. okay. okay, thank you so much. I want to know um, what to do if maybe your beloved or your spouse 
what you are expecting him to do for you, he does it for people outside the relationship, but he doesn't do it for you. What should you do? Yes. And the second one is, um, I want you to give me, or let me say all of us, a general advice on marriage because you see marriage we, we see marriage from afar it's all rousy and you see wedding, wedding bells and you are like hey wow when will it be my turn so I want to I want to ask if you have a general advice for us especially if you are going to get married to a pastor thank you are you in a relationship no please okay so what were the two general advice on marriage and if you are going to get married to a pastor? And the first part, uh, that's something, well, I would say that it's very common and God sees that it's common because he said in Timothy that if you don't take care of your own and you take care of those outside, you are worse than an infidel. So it's something that happens. That's why the Bible writes about it. Do you understand? Sometimes I don't know whether people take their spouses for granted and it's like or you see your spouse as an extension of yourself. She's part of me. So then when I do this for somebody, it's because you are a part of me. So I don't see you as somebody I should do that for, but I don't think it is right. So people have to take care of their home before they take care of others. Number two, what makes them want to help the other person? Is it something you are doing? Is it that you are not appreciative? Is it that you don't praise? Is it that because the Bible says, as refining pot to silver, so is a man to his praise. So maybe as a spouse, you think that is your right. So you don't praise. And men are like God. They inhabit the praises of their people. So maybe if you praise them a bit more, or you learned what makes him tick, it may turn his heart towards you. And then finally, communication, communication. Communicate your needs and how you feel, you know, because it can be very heartbreaking. And then you said, general advice on marriage. Believe that the things that God says concerning marriage in his word, they are true. Believe that love suffers and it suffers long. Believe that when love suffers, it can be kind in the midst of the suffering. Believe that it is true. Believe that prayer works and that have no anxiety by in everything, not by talking, but by prayer and uh, supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God and the peace of God, which passes all understanding. You see, the Bible says the heart of the king eh, is in God's hands. It's God who turns it this way or that way. So sometimes you are discussing something with the husband. I don't agree. I don't plain macho. When he comes in the evening, the Holy Ghost has spoken to him. Sometimes the Holy Ghost may not do what you want. But it's because God wants you to learn patience. God wants you to learn how to be happy in the midst of adversity. That is what is called joy, and it's a fruit of the Spirit, and it is real. You know, so what I would say is, believe the Bible. Don't be a guinea pig in the laboratory of life. 
When the Bible says, love is patient, believe it. Love is kind. How can I be kind in my love relationship? Love is not boastful, nor arrogant, nor rude. How can I remove rudeness from what I do? The Holy Spirit will help you. Love believes the best. Love endures all things. Look, love is endurance. Love endures all things. Actually, in marriage, your love becomes more quality than in relationships because it is tried. And when it comes forth through the fire, it will come forth as gold. So that is the real love. Not this untested one that, ooh, it's nice. But it's just a beginning. So what I would say is make Jesus your friend and let his word be important to you. What did Job say? He said, I esteem your word more than my necessary food. Let his word, when you are angry and God speaks that, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Believe it. And say, it's six o'clock, the sun is going down. You know, you were, I don't feel like forgiving you. But nevertheless, at his word, I will do. And what does the Bible say? We will be blessed in our doing. So the word of God is the foundation. No matter the storm, even when the person leaves you, there are still promises that are based on his word and he will bring it to pass. Amen. Amen. I have one more question. Did you there. say something about marrying a pastor? How to marry a pastor? Is that? Yes, please. Like the general Just be a advice. Christian. Okay. Just be a Christian. And being a ministry wife is different from being an ordinary wife. And being a ministry wife will require many, many, many sacrifices. Many. But sometimes it's also exaggerated. For instance, a sailor goes away for six months and nobody complains. A doctor is on call all the time. Nobody complains. A pilot goes and doesn't come. Nobody complains. But when it's a pastor, then all hell breaks loose. I'm not saying that is correct, but it's like you understand the sailor's work and you understand what it entails. And your family will even be telling us that you have married a marine engineer. But when it's a pastor, he has to go to a faraway land. Then it becomes that we are maltreating you. When you are working secularly, you take Trotsky, you go, it's not a problem. When you come and work in the ministry, you say, why haven't they given me a car? I mean, we are unrealistic when it comes to ministry. There are many, many women who live without their husbands because of the choice of jobs that the men do or the women themselves do. And each partner has to stomach it. But everything we throw at the church, everything we throw at the ministry. So you as a pastor's wife must magnify the office of ministry. Paul said, I magnify my office. Ministry is sacrifice, but it's also exciting. It's also fulfilling. And it also has its good sides. And at the end of the day, God also shows you his faithfulness. Amen. Amen. Well, about, yes, one more hand there. Uh, right there, straight ahead. If you can, yes, if you can help me with the microphone. And then the very last question, because she's been waving her hand so hard, is this one. Okay, this question, we'll get one more question here. And then the very last question is the gentleman by the pillar at the back in the white t-shirt. Oh, it's a lady. Oh, okay. I can see the pony now. The lady by the pillar all the way at the back in a white dress. 
you have a mic. Hello. Hello. Is that working? Yes. Can you hear? Oh, good. Hi, everyone. Auntie Mommy, I just want to say that it's a blessing to be here and to actually learn from you. Um, I have a personal question to ask, actually. Um, so, with my comments, being a sanguine flag, I usually or easily forgive. And I don't hold grudges. I'm understanding and all the amazing stuff. You don't do what? Oh, let me promote myself. You don't want start what? Again, I didn't hear. Yeah. Can you start again the question? We didn't get it. I start don't hold grudges. I don't hold grudges for too long. And with that said, sometimes when you find a certain gentleman that you like or certain people that you like in life, they usually like to take advantage of you. And so I granted. Just want, yeah, for granted. So I just wanted to ask for advice. How do you move forward and not hold grudges and not be a bitter person, don't, not being a resentful person as well? Because I believe I'm a very sweet girl. And, oh, let me promote myself, please. Okay. By the acknowledging of the good things. Thank you. Number one, six, eh? Thank you. Hey, have you finished? Oh, yes, I'm done. Or it's, or, or it's pressure. They are giving you pressure. Yes, but I will continue if you insist. Um, so with that being said, sometimes, I mean, I don't dwell too much on what affects me. So. Are you in a relationship? No, I'm not in a relationship. Oh, okay. but I'll be there. Wait. But what? I'll be there soon. Amen. Amen. So, All yeah. right. Thank you. You are saying that you are the easily forgiven type and you feel that all the amazing things and you feel that your partner or friends can take advantage of you. So I would say that it's communication, communication. Let people know how you feel about a situation, even if you forgive them. And let them know that you wouldn't like it to happen again. But if you just flow, they may not even know that it hurts you. You know, so try and speak the truth in love. And I think it will help you to grow and help the person to grow, like the Bible says. Have I answered your question? Actually, I do communicate and say certain things, but it's just like some people just like to take advantage. You communicate and say that, you know, I want the relationship to work out, or I want us to have a better communication, but it's just like the person just doesn't want anything, and it's confusing. Now then you have to decide whether you want to hitch your life okay. to such a person okay. and take decisions. But... Um, it could also be opposites attracting, whatever. But you can carry yourself in such a way that although you forgive, you are not taking for it. And you must even say, you know, the fact that I forgive doesn't mean you should go on and on and on because at one point it will break, something will give, you know. So please, and I think that's, that's a good place to start. Thank All you right. so much. God bless you. Thank you. Audience question, yes. The lady at the back. And the beautiful white dress. I said all the way at the back. The, 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 yeah. Ah, uh, okay, okay. Um, all right, all right. Thank you, Auntie Mommy. 
So this question is from a brother. He's currently watching. It's says, from who? It's from my brother. Uh, he's watching. Oh, yes, okay. Now, he's a Christian brother. He wants to know how to propose because he sees beautiful girls and spiritual girls all around and he's attracted to four girls. Four? Yes, please. Then he should go and contract customary marriage because customary marriage, you shouldn't do white or you should do customary marriage. He can have wives to infinity. I think his question is more of how to make a choice. So if you could help him. Usually, at that age, you naturally zero in on one. Usually. You are interested in one. You, you want to see the person. You, and vice versa. So if he's confused about four, then he's not uh, certain about who he wants or what he wants. But the Bible, God did not make Adam, Evelyn, and Eva. He made Adam and Eve. So as a Christian... <laughs> He can have only one. But as a polygamist, he can go by Kasri law. As a lawyer, I don't have a problem. I always say, if you want to have wives to infinity, then contract Kasri marriage. Because Kasri marriage has no cap. You can marry 1,000, 2,000. It's allowed. In Islamic law, you know, Ghana has three types of marriage. Islamic law, you can have four. So... If you are Islamic, you can have four wives. But under the ordinance, what we call Cap 127, is based on scripture, you can have one. But ask yourself why some Muslims can marry four and yet they have one. There's a problem. My father used to say that even one is a problem times four, four problems. So the brother must decide what he wants. And then uh, if the sisters agree that all the four will marry him, it's not scriptural, but it's his choice. <laughs> okay, so I hope I've answered his question. But he has to zero in and, and set, because usually you are just, the two of you are enough, and you are in your world. At least that's what I know from experience. So I don't know if at this stage he likes for, I don't know. <laughs> not only likes, but wants. And the last one, my lady, straight ahead of me, Right there, that's oh, my last one. Oh, they are here. She's breathing. Okay. Are, they, are they last, really? Okay, so this one, and then Auntie Mami wants to speak to the ladies over there. So, yes, there and there and then. <laughs> okay, um, good evening, Auntie Mami. Um, my question is please, if you are in a relationship and um, maybe. Like but why the brothers on the floor they don't have questions <laughs> only the sisters meanwhile you have issues ah, go on my dear brothers brothers please um please if you are in a relationship and you are flowing like you discuss things with a guy you tell him stuff like i'm the jovial type i like to laugh a lot and i like making people laugh i'm a sanguine yes and I like, if I'm in a relationship, I like to let the guy know so everything. Yeah, stuff about me and all that. But if maybe the guy is reserved and he's not open to me, and maybe when I ask him, he's like, he doesn't want to bother with me 
me with his problems and all that, not to make me feel worried and all. And does it mean it's love or he just doesn't want to, like, he just, he's just reserved. He just doesn't want to bother me. Does it, is that love? Flowing, is it love or when you're not flowing, is love? That's right. You are outgoing. The person is not outgoing. It could be temperamental, but you can still draw the person. There's a way of drawing out of the person. And quiet people are happy to have you around them to bring fun and to bring sunshine. And there's a way of drawing the person so that he will be open. You know, we all come from different backgrounds. We've all been under different influences. We all have different values. Sometimes you are in a home where the man never speaks. You don't know it's affecting you, but it's creating for you a picture of what it should be. You don't know, you don't like it, but you don't know that it's affecting you. Then by the time you are getting into a relationship, you become exactly what you've seen for so many years. Why? Because the Bible says, as we behold, we become. Do you understand? So what you behold, you become. So it's not that, sometimes, it's not that the person doesn't want to speak. He doesn't know how to. Because his father was like a god. He never spoke. You know? So he has come from that background. But you can bear his burdens and bring a change. You know, my husband always says that he doesn't need BBC because his wife is there. You see? So you could also be a BBC for somebody. <laughs> he doesn't need to put on the radio because his wife will say, Today, BBC reported that there are shortages in this and that Brexit is affecting them. Hey, and then this is happening and that is happening and he said that even when you are not listening say hey, that is really whatever but opposites attract and I realize that in my home if I don't talk it will become quiet so I talk and I get the um, uh, the person comes along uh-huh. so don't be tired that that is your strength Do you understand? But use your strength to draw out. Men don't talk. A lot of men are not verbal. You know, everything is in their heads. But they don't even know how to verbalize. A lot of them. Yeah. So somebody asked my brother, how do you feel about this business venture? He said, feel? I just think it's good. I don't feel anything about a business venture. And I was surprised. "Ah, Why don't you feel? But we are different. And God made us so. Amen. Amen. <laughs> All right, the pink section over there. There's some wonderful questions there. If I, if I can get help with the microphone. Thank you very much, Asada. Yeah, okay. Hello, Auntie Mommy. I'm very happy to be sitting here listening to you. Mostly... I hear you talking, and then my question is, is it advisable to marry someone you don't love, hoping to love the person in the future? And my second question is, um, how do you know you are ready for um, a beloved? Is it by age, um, maturity, or spirituality? Thank you. All the above. (laughs) Your first question was, 
Somebody prod me a bit. What did she say? Um, is it advisable to marry, uh, to marry somebody, somebody you don't love? love? Well, love is a decision. And love is a choice. So you have the love and you decide who you are going to give it to. So love is not always spontaneous like that. Remember Rebecca in the Bible. She had not met Isaac, but she said she would go. It's one of the greatest leaps of faith to me. But love is also faith. The Bible says faith works by love. Do you see? So you may not like the person initially, or you may be neutral. But as you start to go out and all that, you may like the person. Look at me. Just because of how my husband used to speak in tongues and things. When I see him, there's a middle and then there's a place under the trees. I just pass under the trees. I don't even want to meet the person, you know. But if I had gone on that, I don't think we'll be here today. So although my initial, what was the reason for my initial behavior? It was that I felt that he was too zealous for God. And I myself was planning to be half and half. You see, so it was an indictment on me myself. But as I got serious with God, we became friends. And then I got to know that, oh, he's a nice person to be with and to talk with, to talk with over time. And then gradually, it took a while before we became beloveds. Do you understand? So if you just dismiss the person like that, Usually, you miss the time of your visitation. And sometimes you miss a good person who is coming your way. So give the person the space to become your friend. And as you become friends, you will see where it's going. And you will see whether you are either developing a flow or not. But most of you have watched movies and all that. You have an idea of what love is or the type of person you would like to marry. In our time, it was Nielsen Boone, romantic books, and all the men in it were TDH, tall, dark, and handsome. Now, if I had used that, maybe I wouldn't have said my husband, as what tall he was, and handsome, up to date still. But dark, dark, maybe not so. So if you go and follow Nielsen Boone, you may miss your visitation. And Mills and Boone too, the men always had a gruff voice, you know, so when they come and say, hi baby, say, oh, I'm just melting, I'm melting, but it's not real, you see, so love is not just emotion, but you decide who to give your love to, and then you flow from there, and love is something that grows, that's why Philippians 1, 9 says that your love may grow in all wisdom and knowledge. So give love the space to grow and it will help you in deciding whether I want to spend the rest of my life with this person or it's just not working. Then you would have made a sensible, um, a sensible decision. All right? Thank you very much for that, Auntie Mame. I think that we have had a wonderful one evening. brother. Hey, one for brother. a change. <laughs> one brother. One Why brother. do you wait and then put up your hands when he says the curtain is coming? I don't get it. 
One brother. One brother. Okay, brother. Um, Go for aunt, it. Aunt Mami, good evening. Um, I thank you. This is my first time listening to you. Um, one question I have in my mind right now is, I believe um, interpersonal relationship is very important, but um, these days I've been having... What's the def- definition of interpersonal relationship? Relationship like with other people. Personal relationship with others. So, um, I just had this thought that has been running over my mind about intrapersonal relationship. That is relationship with... Uh, do you do sociology? No, please. <laughs> no, please. <laughs> intrapersonal and interpersonal. Wow. The main reason why I'm saying this is that... Ask the question, please. Yeah, the question is that... Um, the main reason why that came up is that um, I was meditating on um, the greatest commandment that is love God and love people and, and love your neighbor as yourself. So the question is, is, is it so important to love yourself absolutely first before um, any other person comes in? That's the question. Yeah, the Bible says, Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your might, with all your strength, with all your, and your neighbor as yourself. So that then uh, presupposes that you love yourself, that's why you can love your neighbor. But the love of self should propel you to have a standard for loving your neighbor. Do you understand? So yes, you should love yourself, but loving yourself is different from self-centeredness, it's different from selfishness, and it's different from the love that is detrimental, because this love for yourself has the quality of being the standard for loving your neighbor. Please, do you understand? Please, do you understand? Yes, please. So yes, you will love yourself to the extent that you can love your neighbor. Yes. So you have to love yourself in terms of loving yourself the way God sees you and all that. And then you can, it's only when you are whole that you can love somebody else. But when you are needy and you don't have self-esteem and you feel that somebody else is coming to bring some value to you, Hmm. you are not well and you are not whole and your relationship will have a lot of problems. But God can bring you to a place where you are really yourself and you are really you accept what God has made you and you know that you are a work in progress but it doesn't make you depressed because everybody is a work in progress and the Bible says in Romans 8 1 there's therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus not to them who have not sinned before not to them who have not failed before not to them who don't make mistakes not to them who are not told you are this, you are that, you are that but to them who are in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation. So based on scripture, you must not allow yourself to be condemned. You see, the Holy Spirit convicts and Satan condemns. You know, so when you feel condemned, put down, condemned, at a point it's not God. God will convict you that, oh, this thing that you did, or this area of your life, but he's still in intimate relation and he still values you. So young people need to find that place in Christ 
so that when you marry you didn't tell me I'm nice you didn't tell me you like me you didn't all those are fertilizer but Charlie you are okay before the fertilizer the fertilizer just makes the apples bigger but you are already a very healthy apple before it's added okay so love your neighbors yourself thank you we're really, really now bad. you should tell them that the last three or the last one because <laughs> when the cat is coming down, then they lift their hand. The last one. <laughs> <laughs> the last one. Lisa, which one is it? The last one. All right, that one there. Last one. Yeah, it's the last one. This is it. This is it. And then if you want to ask it, just hang around after. But this is the last one. Oh, there's nothing after. <laughs> Alrighty, let's go. Ah, okay. They said a lot of guys are online, not a lot of guys are not live. live. <laughs> Hi, Tima, uh, thank you very much for the opportunity. And the question is from a brother. He wasn't able to make it, but okay, he sent his okay. question. Thank so he said, My question much. is, as a brother, how do you know when is the right time to marry after beloved dozing? What are the conditions that should be met? Thank you. You know, my problem with this generation is that you think that you must have everything this world offers before you marry. But what did Adam and Eve have? They both had jobs. So when you both have jobs, then you can plan towards marriage because everybody is bringing something to the table and you are adults. But what makes you know whether you are ready for marriage? You must be mature emotionally, mature spiritually, mature financially, and mature socially. Amen? Amen. And mature spiritually in every way. Mature doesn't mean you finish growing. But you need emotional maturity to handle the pressures of marriage. You need financial maturity to carry along somebody's daughter and to plan a life together. So if you have these things in place and you are mature, I think that you should be okay. And you are going to grow more in the marriage. But I don't think you should wait so long to get everything. You know, when we married, we didn't have everything. Of course, my husband had a car from his father. But beyond that, we stayed in a one room and we were very grateful because one room makes you closer and leaves less room for a, a space, you know? And so it's steps. That's why the Bible says the steps of a good man, not the leaps and the jumps. But you people want to leap and jump and achieve everything in life. It's not like that. That's why the Bible says one shall put to flight a thousand, but two shall put to flight ten thousand. So you are actually stronger when you are two. And you can achieve more when you are two. So I think that you should look at it and then consider that. It's not that I have to have everything, but you grow together. And you are quiet. And the brothers, when your wife, you are married here, you don't have anything. And she comes along with you. Later, when you become a CEO, you become so proud. You talk to her anyhow. You are now a pastor. You are not, it's not right. She suffered with you. Eh? So when you reach that place, don't forget her. And then now be looking after other people. And it's like she, you know, she doesn't rate anywhere. 
She married you when you had nothing. Remember and let it guide you for the future. Amen. Amen. What a wonderful note to close on. If you want to get more of these, uh, you can get some of the messages that we've got at the back there. And Auntie Mami. Also on podcast. It's on podcast. It's on podcast as well. So please get Auntie Mami's podcast. You get messages like changing scenes in marriage, accepting your wife as a helpmeet, um, handling the weaker vessel. All of these messages. Uh, and then the weaker vessel for the brothers. For the brothers. Because the Bible says, dwell with us as with the weaker vessel. Giving honor, not despising. We are the weaker vessel, but giving honor as heirs together of the grace of God. First Peter 3, 17 or 7, I believe. You know, so giving honor as unto the weaker vessel. So God knows we are weaker vessels, but he doesn't say giving dishonor, giving despisement, giving, you know. Ephesians 5, brothers, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself to it with the washing of the water by the word that he may present it to himself. So when you wash your wife with the wash of her, you are making a present for yourself, not for somebody else. And the Bible says that um, when you don't treat your spouse or your wife well, your prayers will be hindered. First Peter 3 is there. Your prayers will be hindered. So that's why your breakthrough is not coming. Your business is not working. And you, you are blaming somebody. Your ministry is not working. And you say somebody is not bringing growth. You are frustrated. Check your uh, 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 love life with your wife. It may bring that breakthrough. In Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, please, can you just give a mighty first love proper shout? Let's say, let's celebrate Auntie Mami for this multitude of counsel, multitude of counsel. And I believe that in this multitude of counsel, there is so much safety that we've got. Um, we've had a wonderful, wonderful time. We've been here for over three hours and we've been getting precept upon precept, word upon word, verses, counsel. Our lives have been so much better. Uh, as we close, I just want to invite Lady Pastor Prisla, Lady Pastor Prisla Heward Mills, um, to say the closing words. But we're so, are, you, are you not so happy and so grateful Hallelujah. that Auntie Mommy came? How many of you like her to come again? To come again, to come again, to come again, and tell us many more new things. Please put your hands together for LP Pri as she comes to round us up and close us. Hallelujah. I believe we've had such a blessed Please time. sit, please sit. Amen. We've had such an amazing time here tonight. I want to say thank you to God for making this evening possible, for giving us such an anointed woman of God, for the multitude of counsel. And I know that everyone who tuned in online, those of us here, every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, we've all been spoken to, we've all been ministered to, and we are leaving here with renewed minds and changed hearts. Amen. I want to say thank you to our dear father, our prophet, Bishop Dag Heward Mills, for always having our happiness at heart, for allowing us to have this event. I want to say thank you to him for writing books for us, for writing the model marriage for writing the beauty, the beast, and the pastor, for thinking about our happiness, for 
the many love songs that he's written for us to teach us how to behave, how to love, how to be happy in our marriages. We want to say thank you, Daddy. And to our dear mother, we want to say thank you so much for accepting the invitation. Thank you for coming. You could have been anywhere tonight, but thank you for spending your night with us. Thank you for ministering to us from your heart. And we've been so blessed. I want to say we love you very much. Thank you for the many times that I've called you about people's problems and you jump in and you just solve it. We are so blessed to have you. I want to say thank you to Reverend Chrissy Day and the marriage, marriage school. I mean, on Monday, it wasn't easy for mommy. Every conversation you had. So we want to also ask you about Friday, the, mar- the meeting, the service. Would you come? You say, oh, yes, I'll come. So let's talk about something else. And you bring it up again. I mean, he really pushed for this to happen. And I want to say thank you so much, Reverend Christy Day. Thank you to the marriage school. And thank you all for being here. You've made this evening lovely. Thank you to the panelists, to Rochelle, to LP Irene, to Senanu, and to Reverend Christy Day again. And to Mami. Thank you all for coming. Have a blessed night. God bless us all. Auntie Manu would like to pray. Please, shall we stand up? Hallelujah. Amen. Shall we pray? Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for your word and your counsel that has come to your people. I pray that this word will fall on good soil. And I pray that it will germinate and it will grow. It will be a tree where birds of the air shall come and build their nests. That we will be trees that people can find refuge in and find you in. I pray for anyone here, anyone listening, anyone watching who may be broken hearted. You have said that you came to heal the broken hearted. Let the spirit of God minister to every such person those going through difficult relationships, those who don't have answers and don't know what to do, those who are crying to you, Lord, out of dark places, you who are the candle in the light, may you reach out to every such person by the Spirit of God. Lord, give them light in their darkness. Provide the way of escape in the time of temptation. And Father, I pray for those who desire to marry. Your word says, whatsoever we desire, when we pray, believe that you receive it and you shall have it. Father, tonight we join our faith together and we say, we speak into our present and we speak into the future. And Lord, I say, let the paths of your people meet the paths of those that they should know, those that should be interested in them, and those that they should marry. You directed the parts of Abraham's servant, direct the parts of your children. And Father, in the interim, prepare them. Give them the graces they need. Give them the wisdom they need. Give them the strength and fortitude that they need. Give them every spiritual blessing that they need to go on this journey. I pray for marriages. Strengthen marriages, Lord. It is something the enemy is attacking, and it is your idea. May Jehovah stand on behalf of all marriages. May the legions of heaven fight 
And Father, above all, may we put you first. For the greatest marriage of all is the marriage of the Lamb which will come. And the bride has to make herself ready. May we be ready, Lord, as a bride of Christ when you come as a bridegroom. And Lord, tonight, if there's anyone here who doesn't know you, I pray that they'll build their houses and their lives on the rock. I pray that they'll say yes to you tonight. I pray that the deceptions of the world will not pull them away. And Lord, as tonight, I reach out to them. Let the Holy Spirit bring conviction and let the Holy Spirit draw them to you. And on that note, you are here tonight. You don't know Jesus as your Savior. You came to a program. You've been playing games with God. The Holy Spirit is reaching out to you where you are standing. You want to say, Lady Reverend, pray for me. I don't even know what I'm about. Lady Reverend, pray for me. I've been playing games with God. Lady Reverend, pray for me. I'm not sure whether I'll go to heaven or hell when I die. Tonight, you can settle it with God. If you are like that here tonight, every eye closed and every head bowed, just lift up your hands and I'll pray with you. We all took this step one time or the other in our lives. We are not ashamed of the gospel. You are like that here tonight. Lady Reverend, pray for me. I want to give my life to Christ. I want a new beginning. I want to be sure whether I'll go to heaven or hell when I die. Just lift up your hands high above your head and I'll pray with you. Lift up your hands high above your head and I'll pray with you. Father, thank you for your word that has come to us. I pray that we'll be established in our walk with you. As we go from this place, let your covering be over us. Deliver us from evil and draw us closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi. Or meet her on Facebook at Reverend Mrs. Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.